0: Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Brett. I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater and it is really good to be here this morning. Uh, it's fun to speak into this series. We're in this series called Asking for a Friend. And we get a chance to address or handle some of the things that we probably all deal with but nobody talks about. And uh, some of those questions about the Snuggie. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the first one, which was, when does God give up on me? Uh, last week, the question was, can you follow God and still have doubts? Well, this week, we have the third question. You do know that my anger is not my fault, right? You do know that, that, that the anger that you're seeing in me is not my fault, Right, I saw this topic and I quickly thought, I don't get angry. This doesn't really apply to me. I, <laughs> I struggle with a lot of things, but anger is really not one of them. And then I, I started thinking about this, this thing, anger, and I realized, I think a lot of times anger is really easy for me to see in other people, but it's really difficult for me to see in myself. And what we do with anger is we change the word to make us feel better. I didn't get angry. I was just frustrated. I was just upset. Oh, I didn't get angry. I was just irritated. I was agitated. I wasn't angry. No, I was just intense. I was just being intense about something. I was being impatient. I wasn't angry. I was just standing up to the bully. Somebody needs to do that. But I wasn't angry. I think uh, a lot more of us struggle with anger than, than, than I like to admit. Here's a little quiz. <clears throat> uh, tell me where you fit here. When you're driving, how often do you use your horn or instruct the driver in front of you either with verbal com- commands or hand gestures? A would be, rarely if ever. B, as needed, at least, at least once a day. How about C, it's the most used part of my car. All right, how about this one? While waiting in the supermarket, express checkout line, 10 items or less. I usually, A, this would be me, meditate quietly. B, I count to see who has more than 10 items in their cart. Oh, this one really, this one irks me. Like, I, I, some people just can't count. And they think that you can group items together. Well, they're all dairy, so that's one item. No! Butter, cottage, cheese, and milk, that's three items. And four gallons of milk is four items. Any, anyway. Or three. I threaten anyone who looks like they might use multiple coupons on every item. There's a problem. How about this one? When watching my child play sports, how I talk and behave can best be compared to A, royalty calmly taking in a polo match. Bravo, chap. (laughs) B, an engaged spectator cheering and yelling proud encouragement. Or C, an obnoxious drunk fan who has convinced the refs and all the coaches have singled out your future professional athlete in order to shame and embarrass them in front of everybody watching. I coach Montrose Junior Football, and there are a lot of C fans at every game. And as parents, I think... uh, Yeah, I think sometimes anger gets involved. I could have done a question on golf and how many clubs ended up in the pond. Um, I could have done a a question about uh, watching sports at home in the comfort of our living room. I could have done video games and and the intensity that comes somehow. Well, I was just frustrated. I wasn't really angry. Um, I could have done, in relationships, the volume of voice we've used in discussions about topics that we don't like to discuss. I could have used a quiz question about our jobs and the baggage we bring home because of what we see at work or how our boss is just this or just that or how the people we try to serve are just this or just that. There could have been a lot of questions up here. But my point is... I think anger is prevalent. And I was rebuked this week, and I want to bring all of you in with me because misery loves company. And I think that anger is something that we all, if we were honest, would have to say we deal with it. Now, we may not deal correctly with it, but it seems to be a part of our lives. I think Paul recognized this because he wrote extensively about anger in Ephesians chapter 4 if you have your Bibles please turn there the verses will be on the screen as well but I think Paul understood some things that you know you know my anger is not my fault right and Paul seems to have a a good way of just drilling right down and making me feel a little convicted so Ephesians 4 verse verse 26 it says in your anger do not sin okay we're going to stop right there. In your anger do not sin. So so Paul apparently leaves room that somebody could be angry and not sin. Well, that's new information. I thought all anger was sin. No. God got angry. In Deuteronomy 32, God got angry. He came he was on Mount Sinai with Moses and Moses came down the mountain and The children of Israel had made a golden calf that they were worshiping, and it says that God's anger burned inside him. Numbers 15, we read about God's anger. Exodus 11, we read about God's anger. So apparently we can be angry and not sin. The problem is, most of us, me for sure, my anger is very rarely righteous indignation. It is usually sinful. But, but Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Aristotle said this, anyone can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, in the right way, <laughs> that is not easy at all. See, anger, anger is not supposed to be a bad thing emotion, it's supposed to be a signal for something. In fact, anger is an indicator that something is wrong. Anger is an indicator that something is wrong. Think of it it like uh, the light on your dashboard in your car or a smoke detector. Um, Anger ought to be something in us that indicates something is not right. You're laying in bed and you hear the beep, 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 beep in your house. We don't ignore that. We spring into action. We try to figure out if there's smoke. We try to figure out which of the alarms, and and if your smoke alarms are wired in to each other, like mine are, they all go off, which doesn't help you figure out where the smoke is, but you run around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to figure out where is the problem. Okay, there's an indicator that something is wrong. Where is it wrong, And, and... I would propose to you that anger is like that. needs to be like that. It's an indicator that something is wrong. And and yet, how many people walk through this life with their smoke detectors of anger blaring in their hearts and minds? We're agitated, unnerved, short-fused, snippy. Everyone around us can see it, and they notice. And yet... We go through life and we do not heed the warning signs of anger. We read something online that just ticks us off. We, we, we see the eventual left turn signal for a mile and a half and we just want to help that driver realize that they're not driving correctly. We get behind that water truck I don't even know how people can go 12 miles an hour. (laughs) There are people in this world that run faster than that. (laughs) And yet, anger isn't the warning signal that we should realize it is. Paul continues in verse 26. In your anger, he says, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. While you are still angry, (laughs) Paul says, I I want you to realize that you you shouldn't be sinning, but you should take that warning symbol, that signal so clear and so serious that you shouldn't even ignore anger into the night. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't delay in addressing what's going on in your heart and your mind. I think, uh, I think of interactions we have every day with our spouses, with our children, with our friends, with our families, and I, I think of this verse, like what would my life look like if I really applied this verse? How many conversations would we be having before we laid our head down on our pillow? there must be something to this because paul's saying i realize you can get angry and not sin but you know what most of you are getting angry and it is sin and here's what you need to do you need to recognize it is it is a warning symbol that something is wrong it should indicate that something's not right in our lives and it should indicate something so strongly that we need to take care of whatever it is before we go to bed at night why That seems weird. Well, because Paul realized that unmanaged sin, unmanaged anger, provides a fortress for the enemy. Unmanaged anger provides a fortress for the enemy. Here's what Paul continues. uh, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Paul's really saying, watch out. Watch out. When the smoke alarm goes off, when, when you see anger in your life or when people you love speak into your life and say, hey, Brett, just so you know, I'm seeing anger. What's going on? Paul's saying, watch out. Take it seriously. Don't let anger Remain undealt with. It probably means I need to have conversations with my children before I go to bed, before they go to bed. Probably needs means there needs to be some conversations with our spouses before we go to bed. There's a foothold that can be put in place, and and this Greek word foothold literally means fortress or bunker, and in a military context, it would have to do with the enemy gets behind enemy lines behind the enemy's lines, and gets a fortified bunker or fortress that they can then attack from behind enemy lines. And you think about that word picture with anger and what Satan wants to do in our lives. Satan wants to get into our lives, get into our minds, and he realizes that when we become angry, And we don't deal with that anger. We are allowing Satan to build a fortress in our hearts and minds from which he can then attack us. We're allowing that. I think he loves to attack my relationships. I think he loves to attack my marriage. I think he loves to attack our peace. And I don't think we realize it. I think it's the silent killer. Oh, I'm not angry. I'm just agitated. No, you you realize that my anger, it's not my fault, right? There's In life, I think there's really only two categories of of response in my life. I think there's what happens to me, and there's how I respond to it. To you and I, there's what happens to us, and there's how we respond to it. Life boiled down to to that. There's what happens to me, and there's how I respond. What happens to me, how I respond. Jerry Bridges In the book, Respectable Sins, he said it this way. In in facing up to our anger, we need to recognize that no one else causes us to be angry. Someone else's words or actions may become the occasion for our anger, but the cause lies deep within us. Usually our pride, our selfishness, or our desire to control. I have very little control over what happens to me. I have a lot of control over how I respond to it. Psychiatrists tell us that anger is not even a primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. Our our anger is usually preceded by hurt, frustration, or fear. Hurt from the past, frustration about something happening in the present, or fears about what might come in the future. But anger is a secondary emotion. And the problem is, we usually have hurts, we usually have frustrations, or we usually have fears that we don't deal with, and they lead us to anger. Paul says in, in Ephesians uh, 4 still, verses 31 and 32, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. <clears throat> now, what Paul does is he expands on anger right here. So he says, I'm going I'm to cover everything. I'm going to not just zero in on anger anymore and the fact that, that anger is an indicator that something is wrong or, or that, that unmanaged anger really does allow Satan to have a foothold in our lives. He said, I'm going to expand it, and I'm going to say that, that not just anger, but there's a lot of pieces of this that we need to get rid of. The word anger here, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, any form of malice, it, it's expanded to an agitation of the soul or an impulse, any violent emotion." Paul says basically, we need to rid ourselves of not just anger, but any angst. Any, eh, ah, that just bugs me. Uh, All of those words I used earlier frustration, irritation, agitation, all of those are what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, no, 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 I want to paint with a wide brush. It's not just the anger that we think of that equals violence. Oh, no, no, it's, it's that, eh, that didn't sit right. It's that snippy comment or the word thrown out in frustration. The intense discussion where you kind of know that the veins are popping out in your neck and your forehead, but you don't really want to think about it. When the heat wave comes and you just know that you're in a place you shouldn't be, Paul's saying, get rid of all that stuff. So, he starts by saying, in our anger, do not sin. Okay. Th- then he says, "Anger's so serious, you shouldn't take it to bed with you. You've got to deal with it urgently. Then, then he says, we, if we don't deal with it, we're going to give Satan a bunker in our lives to attack us from. Okay. Then he expands, on it and it says, not just anger, but I'm talking about all agitation of the soul, all the impulses. Whew. Well, we've gone from anger, which I think of as something that causes violence, to something much broader. And now, Paul's going to say, when the alarms go off in our life, what are we supposed to do? Instead of my bitterness and my rage and my agitation of the soul here's what he says to do verse 32 and this is just a verse that is so hard for me to even think about in my upset moments see how I didn't say anger because I don't want to admit it verse 32 be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you so Paul's basically saying instead of holding on to my hurts from the past or my frustrations in the present or my fears for the future, he's saying instead of that, Paul says, Forgive well, <laughs> great. That's easy to write. It's really hard to do. I mean people are jerks. I deal with them all the time they're 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 not great they're I, they're people. Yeah, but if you understood my children, you'd know there needs to be a level of anger. Yeah, well, if you understood my job, you'd know there needs to be a level of If you understood there's a gas well right on the corner of my house and those water trucks just, there's like a hundred of them and they go in tandems of five nonstop, 24-7 I can't even go a different way to get around them. They would make you mad too. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. I wish he stopped right there. Because I feel like that was just a suggestion. But then he brings in this last phrase, kind of just to pour salt in my open wound. He says, oh, by the way, Brett, yeah, um... Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Great. Thanks. Oh, no, no. Remember, Brett. No, no. God. Yeah, he forgave you. Remember? Remember that? Jesus on the cross, dying for your sins. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Think about that when you're about ready to get angry with that person. Well. it's almost like Paul brings out the trump card and says oh by the way I win (laughs) yeah all the anger yeah I know and you got to really be careful and you really don't go to bed with anger deal with it I mean this is Satan putting a foothold oh oh, yeah and by the way um yeah just forgive oh and if you're having trouble forgiving I just want you to think about how you've been forgiven What do you say to that? Like, what's the comeback? Oh, yeah, we'll right back at you. Like, you got nothing. I'm supposed to forgive. You're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to live in a way that looks like we are forgiving. Not because we're good people. Not because we are really self-controlled. Not because the people around us are great. We're supposed to forgive because we are forgiven. And aren't we grateful that God didn't look at each of us and say, ah, (laughs) nope, not forgiving you. I'm going to die for for Josh and Tom, not going to die for this half of the room. I'm going to put up how you live. I'm going to look back at your past, how you lived in college, how you lived in high school, and then I'm going to determine whether to forgive you. No. No, God forgave us. Not on our merits, but because of his grace and mercy. And aren't you glad? Then why is it so stinking hard for us to give grace and mercy to somebody else when they're driving 12 miles an hour. And that bothers me because I, I have trouble with that. <clears throat> well, forgiveness is God's desire, but it's my decision. God desires that you and I forgive. But ultimately... It's a decision that God leaves up to us. <clears throat> I have some questions that I, I really want us to think about. And I, I I want us to think about these questions. I want us to discuss these in small group this week. If you're not in a group, please get in one. They are wonderful. That guy Dave was from my small group this week. And he had some amazing questions. And then he made God, his forgiver and leader after small group. I I really highly recommend you get in a small group. But here are some questions specifically about anger. What, What makes me most angry and why? Am I easily offended? Do people see me that way? Am I living with past hurt? that is affecting how I respond to situations? Have I allowed Satan to have a foothold in my mind because of bitterness or unforgiveness or offenses that I'm holding? Who do I need to forgive? I, I realized this week that, that uh, <clears throat> it is easy for me to look in the stands and point out parents who are angry, and be like, oh, yeah, well, you're angry people, but I am not. But when I studied this, I realized that, ah, I struggle with anger, too. Anger is so prevalent, and we call it something different, and we polish it up so it doesn't make us feel bad. It would be like me saying, oh, yeah, well, I'm not greedy. Well, are you content? (laughs) <laughs> no, but I wouldn't call it greed. That makes me feel bad. I'm not, I'm not angry. No, well, are you frustrated? Well, yeah. Oh, are you agitated? Yeah, but you would be too. Oh, are you irritated? Yeah, but who wouldn't be irritated? Oh, and I feel like in Ephesians 4, God through, through Paul really spells it out. It says, all of those, all of those, get rid of all of those, and forgive. Live a life of grace and mercy to people who may not even deserve it, because we are forgiven people who were shown grace and mercy when we did not even deserve it. We're going to transition into a wonderful picture of God's grace and mercy in (laughs) Communion, and uh, and Jim's going to come, and he's going to lead us in this. And I want us to think about and reflect on how we have been forgiven, and how that should impact how we forgive. So let me pray, and then uh, we're going to go into communion. Father, <clears throat> thank you for the challenge of uh, that you that you gave us today. Thank you for the challenge you've given me i just ask that you take that i would take things seriously that you take seriously and apparently you recognize that unmanaged sin in our lives really does give satan a foothold in our lives and we we do not want that thank you also for the reminder that we've been forgiven and so we should forgive thank you for this opportunity to reflect on on your grace and mercy and how you forgave us. Um, Help us live differently because of how you forgave us. In Jesus' name, amen.